In Parnell versus Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration, Office of Child Support Enforcement, 2022, ARC 52, the Arkansas Supreme Court reversed a child support order because it set the father's support obligation greater than that in Arkansas Supreme Court Administrative Order Number 10, Child Support Guidelines, 2020. Justice Webb wrote, On July 12, 2004, Ebonique Butler gave birth to a son, EPB, who was fathered by Parnell when he was 17 years old. Parnell ultimately went on to become a very successful professional football player. The most recent support order was entered while he was an active player and recited that Parnell's monthly net income was $306,080. Under the previous version of the guidelines, Parnell's presumed monthly child support obligation was more than $45,000. However, Butler claimed to have monthly expenses of only $4,461. The circuit court found that the presumptive child support obligation was unjustified and instead it ordered Parnell to pay $7,500 per month. In January 2019, Parnell retired from the National Football League. He subsequently filed for change of custody when EPD was 16 years old. He also filed for a reduction in child support. The issues were bifurcated. The change of custody was denied, and it is not a subject of this appeal. As indicated previously, all that is before us is the proper amount of child support that Parnell is obligated to pay under the current guidelines and the family support chart. Parnell used a substantial portion of his earnings as a professional football player to invest in real estate. The circuit court found that Parnell's monthly gross income was $36,849. That figure is not disputed on appeal. The current guidelines, however, only make provisions for monthly incomes up to $30,000. Moreover, unlike the previous versions of the guidelines, the income of both parents is considered when establishing a child support obligation. The circuit court made the following pertinent findings to justify the order that is currently before us. I've examined OCSE's two submitted worksheets and their respective calculations. I am adopting worksheet number one, reflecting combined gross monthly income of $38,582.60 and the payor share at $1,864.31 for child support. The payor's monthly income exceeds the monthly family support chart by $6,849. The court is now required to use its discretion in determining the additional support owed by a payor. There is precedent for using the former guidelines and chart. In doing so, in exercising my discretion, I am adding 15% of the excess monthly income or $1,027.35, now totaling $2,891.35 per month as the child support obligation. That is now the rebuttable presumptive child support obligation by Mr. Parnell. The circuit court further deviated from the presumptive support amount. Its conclusion was based on Ms. Butler's needs, the age of EPB at 16, the fact that Mr. Parnell has apparently set aside funds to pay child support for his son through his 18th birthday, 
and the upward deviation is in EBB's best interest under these unique facts and circumstances. The court concluded that $6,500 was an appropriate monthly support obligation. Parnell now challenges these findings as the basis for the circuit court's calculation of his child support obligation. End of quote. The Supreme Court reasoned that while a circuit court may deviate above the chart amount with findings, the award in this case was an error. Quote, the circuit court's finding that Parnell's gross monthly income was $36,849 and that Butler's gross monthly income was $1,733.60 is not disputed. The party's combined total monthly income was $38,582.60, with Parnell contributing 95.51%, and Butler contributing 4.49%. Because their combined income exceeded the highest amount provided in the child support chart, their joint obligation was that provided for a $30,000 monthly income, $1,952. And because Parnell was the payor parent, his presumptive child support obligation was 95.51% of that amount, or $1,864.36. However, we conclude that the circuit court erred in calculating Parnell's child support obligation in the following ways. First, when a parent's income exceeds the maximum chart amount of $30,000 per month, Revised Administrative Order Number 10 does not allow the circuit court to simply add 15% of one parent's income to his or her child support obligation. While we recognize that this was permissible under previous versions of the child support chart, the circuit court's ruling in this case constitutes a clear error of law. Second, we hold that the circuit court's findings in support of its decision to upwardly deviate from the child support chart are not consistent with the plain language of Revised Administrative Order Number 10. The court listed three other factors it relied on. One, Butler's own needs— 2. EPB's age of 16, 3. Parnell's having saved enough money to pay support through EPB's 18th birthday. Citing these three considerations as other factors was an abuse of discretion. The first, Butler's own needs, is not a legitimate factor to consider when deviating from the chart. Child support should focus on the child's needs, not the custodial parent's needs. The second consideration was EPB's age, which, standing alone, did not justify an increased obligation. We have said the same thing about the previous chart. We note only that neither the statute nor the child support guidelines offer any distinction based on the child's age as a basis for deviation from the guidelines. Smith v. Smith, 341, ARC 590. Revised Administrative Order Number 10 makes no distinction about a child's age either. Certainly, an increase in a child's expenses as he or she gets older may justify a deviation. But the court's order here lacked findings that tied the child's increased age to increased expenses. Finally, the fact that Parnell was a prudent saver does not justify the court's increase of Parnell's monthly obligation. We therefore reverse and remand this case to the circuit court for further findings consistent with this opinion. End of quote. A concurring opinion by Justice Wood added, I agree that the circuit court erred for the reasons stated by the majority, 
but I concur because this court should not remand for further findings. We should instead remand with instructions for the circuit court to set a specific child support amount. End of quote. The concurrence also noted the judge who heard this case has retired, and a new one must review substantial materials, so it is more expeditious to reverse and remand with instructions as to the correct child support amount. A dissent written by Justice Wynn concluded there was no abuse of discretion below in setting the support level. Quote, Here the needs of the child are those of a typical 16-year-old, and the appellant's ability to pay is extraordinary. The circuit court found that an upward deviation is in EPB's best interest. The circuit court cited the custodial parent's needs, the child's age, 16, and the fact that appellant has set aside funds to pay child support for his son through his 18th birthday. While the majority takes issue with each of these factors, I see no reversible error. The needs of the child's mother are not technically a factor to consider, but the circuit court was no doubt recognizing that a minor child's needs are inextricably linked to the resources of his custodial parent. Stated another way, the circuit court was properly considering the custodial parent's needs in supporting the child. Further, a 16-year-old's reasonable needs could include expenses such as a computer, a cell phone, a vehicle, and insurance on the vehicle. Finally, appellant savings are a factor in his ability to pay support, just as any custodial parent's savings are a factor in his ability to provide for the reasonable needs of his child. In sum, the majority is correct that the circuit court erred in adding 15% of appellant's income above $30,000 to his presumptive child support amount. But we have the entire record before us and are asked to review the amount of child support awarded. Because I see no abuse of discretion in the circuit court's determination that an upward deviation to $6,500 a month was appropriate, I would affirm. End of quote. This case was originally in the Court of Appeals, but was reassigned to the Supreme Court in considering Revised Administrative Order Number 10 because it requires construction of new provisions in the guidelines setting support when a child's parents earn more than $30,000 per month. End of quote. End of decision.